This episode of Never Work Alone is brought to you by Collide, a new and better way to create deeper connections with others using shared ideas and complementary skills. Using Collide, you can connect with people who have the skills you need to make your ideas happen. For early access, sign up at www.collideapp.com. That's C-O-L-L-I-D-E-A-P-P.com. Hey there. Welcome back. I'm Evan. I'm Chris. We have a guest, Thomas Cook, in the studio with us today, Freelance DP. Hello. To start off, I'm just going to quickly introduce myself and and talk about how I got into freelancing. Last year, I was at a full-time job inside of a big tech company, and they decided the work that I was doing was no longer needed there. And I was out on my own again. And I had freelanced a little bit in St. Louis, but this was the first time for me to sort of pick myself up by the bootstraps in California and try myself out here. I kind of anticipated to do like explainer videos and animation kind of stuff. So I started trying to get a little bit of that work. And then I also tried to partner with a friend of mine that I went to high, oh, I went to college with that was out in Oakland to do a small filmmaking group. And then before you knew it, I was connected back with people that I used to work with at that old full-time job doing freelance work for them. And that networking sort of led into two or three other jobs. It was basically through people I knew at my old full-time job that I had told I was now available for other freelance work that sort of helped open that that new door for me. And um, yeah, I've been working at at an institution, been working at a big tech company now in another regard, and then doing these small kind of I almost, I think they're like introductory videos or like sales kind of pump you up stuff, you know, like event recap sort of material. It's Sometimes it's hard to qualify what those videos are and because t- they're just so many and there's there's so many little things you do and they don't really cor- cor- you know, cor- correlate to any particular category. So, understandable. You, yeah, you, you, just you, do go, to, you go to freelance small. editors or freelance yeah. producer, director sites, it's like all these different categories of boxes like commercial work, film work, you know, PR and marketing. Explainers, documentation, uh, presentation video, all sorts of just random little things. Right. So there's a million ways to specialize in that. And I guess I'm sort of still trying to figure out my niche, trying to try out a lot of different things now, see what people will give me a chance to do and, and run with it. Cool. So to recap on me, I think we've already discussed a little bit about my first five years of of not doing anything with anybody. (laughs) So that was the first five years, no networking, barely any freelancing. Uh, The second five years came when we opened the studio and that turned into a a much more specific or specialized freelance. So for about five years, I did a lot of set building, a lot of set design and construction. Uh, I've mentioned a couple of times to various people, uh, you know, we we built a war bunker, we we built the spaceship, we built the dorm room, we built, you know, the tech room, all sorts of different things for uh, for different corporations and commercial. And that was just like with Evan. As I'd mentioned, when we opened the studio within 30 days, I'd met all these different people and was starting to get on people's jobs. I was producing a couple of different projects and it was all about word of mouth. It Um, seems like it all comes at once. It's, It's not there at all. And then all of a sudden... Oh, absolutely. The and then hits. through that five years, it was it was similar. You would have, Business would come in waves. Uh, that's been my freelancing experience is that it's waves. And I always feel like it's going to be, oh, June, July is our dead time. Well, this year it wasn't a dead time. Last year it really was. The year before that, maybe, I don't remember. But it comes in waves, it comes and goes. And it's, it's really, it's all been almost entirely word of mouth. Uh, it's funny because what kicked off the studio was somebody finding us on Google arbitrarily. Uh, you know, as I said, three, four pages down, we must have been the, I think the... 
I, I want to say we were the 40th company she called, something ridiculous like that. So yeah, occasionally you get that Google, you get that one-off. Uh, one of our clients right now found us uh, through Google as well. It was an absolute total random find. Um, and only this time we weren't on the fourth page down. We were like the fourth or fifth company they'd called. So we have cl- come up in, in a few years, but we're still freelancing. And even as a quote-unquote company, we're still a freelance company. So the past five years was that, took a year off. Uh, this last year and a half has been just, uh, well, two years has been just a lot more freelancing. Again, word of mouth, uh, networking with other people, meeting Thomas, meeting you, in fact, uh, and meeting a number of other people. And, you know, it's just callbacks. But you're, you're not really in set decorating primarily anymore? You know, it's, it's, it's moved on to mostly production management. Um, we do set, uh, set construction and decorating, but because we haven't had a, a reasonable studio to do that in for the past year and a half, I've only been able to do a little bit. There's been a couple of great projects. We had a screen last night, and actually the movie we were showing was shot almost entirely here in the Corinthian, and we actually created uh, a false wall for them to break into and find a safe inside and find documents. Um, so it was really fun to do that. There's been a couple other little pieces of, of that. If you you look around our studio upstairs here on the fourth floor, you'll see some flats and a couple of pieces left over from a couple sets we've built. But because we're on the fourth floor upstairs, we've I have avoided <laughs> doing the climb, and it gets really expensive when you have to hire other people to do that. So we really haven't done a lot. Okay. Well, now I'm going to toss it over to Thomas. So we both both Chris and I know. Um, through freelance opportunities. I know you had mentioned that I you met, met Thomas. Thomas at my old studio building a set for a project he was working on, Magehaven. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I guess I guess to start off, it's almost one of those things where um, I'm a full-time freelancer, right? That's where I am today. Yeah. And before then, I was a full-time employee at different tech companies, um, you know, doing all sorts of different stuff from, you know, I started as a technical director you know, switching live shows, moved to be the in-house DP in in uh, the Bay Area, and then moved to creative producer. And, you know, and, and that was a transition. I was trying to move to creative director, right? And, and it just, you know, I kind of, once I left being a DP, I realized how much I liked being a DP. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, so when I non-voluntarily left two jobs in one year, um, th- I, which is actually great. They paid me a bunch of money and said, get out. So you <laughs> discuss that for a second. Why, you say so, non-voluntarily, but, but what happened? Well, I mean, it was, it was layoffs. Like, so okay. they, you know, so the first company, they, um, they basically just didn't like anybody there. You know, new management came in, wanted to bring in their people that they trust, they know, um, were related to, and then, <laughs> uh, and then, Basically, there was there were forty of us in a group at one point, both um, full time and contingent, and both full time. But then it's down to there was like two left, so they you know part of the group split off, and then everybody else gone, and then eventually everyone else is leaving, either voluntarily or involuntarily, as the case may be. And then six months later, at my next job, that kind of happened again. So what's the lesson learned there? <laughs> yeah, um, just be ready for it. Be ready for anything because, especially around here, corporations are going to hire and fire based on the 
you know, quarterly stock market schedule. Yeah. Well, it seems like be ready for it means be ready to take yourself up, right? And yeah. make the most of that opportunity. Yeah. So don't, don't yeah. see it as a, something that's bad. And see it as a new opportunity. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I was interviewing. I was sending resumes out. Um, it wasn't until I actually got laid off that I really put everything together right. And within a week, I had that next yeah. job off. Finally, time to work on your website. Update right. your reel. <laughs> you know, have a great resume. Have a reel. All of that stuff should be up to date. You know, like every six months, even if you have a full-time job, it's great. Just have it updated and ready to go. As a full-time freelancer, do you find that hard to do to keep that resume and that reel up to date? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I Um, think we all do. You know, when when you do have a day off, you've got so much other stuff to do. Like, I mean, you've got invoicing to do. You've got, you know, checks coming in that you've, you know, ideally, you have checks coming (laughs) in that you need to deposit, you know, and and I do uh, an unhealthy amount of auction watching. And, you know, so there's stuff that happens there when you know when lenses come up and you go oh i really uh yes so that, that kind of leads us into where right. you might be going right well, so you want to talk about right. your new endeavor so yeah i mean the new endeavor is well before we get that, i was okay. going to say and that that kind of is an important factor you've also at the same time as all that's going on as a freelancer you're also constantly having to look for work and market yourself oh yeah for sure that is this ongoing process 24 7 period yeah. that you don't have at the full-time job right so it's either I mean, wrapping your days off, right, or wrapping up jobs that you finish or looking for a new job yeah. to start, you know. And a lot of that, too, is, you know, is as a freelancer, your goal is, I think, to get two or three places where you are, like, the first or second call. Second call is fine, too, yeah. because, you know, it's just, you know, if you, I would much rather be five places their second call than one place their first call. Mm-hmm. And easier to balance. Yeah. Well, it's easier to balance, and you'll get a lot more work just because, you know, it's spread out. Okay. So, yeah, maybe we'll save the future thing for the end of the show. Yeah. Let's talk about how you get to be first or second call. Like, wh- wh- how do you know that you've done a good job? You know, what, what are the sort of things that you do to ensure that your clients are happy? Um, a, asking. Um, I, think, I think, so as uh, today... I'm much better positioned to be a freelancer now that I have a much better idea of what I'm doing, um, and I'm much better at doing it. I'll say I agree the exact same for myself. It was the, the long time coming. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I agree, Thomas, you really know what you're doing. Compared to when we first well, met. No, I mean, he, he did then, too, honestly. I've, I've only known you for, like, five years, and you've been doing this for, like, 20, something like that, 15, yeah. somewhere like that. So, and it's it's I noticed that I'm just saying the experience level as a freelancer. Honestly, I wish I could go back in some capacity and have taken a job somewhere for a couple of years just to get some of the basic things I needed down. That took me five or six years instead. Right. And that and that happened to me too. So when I when I all the way all the way through college, I worked at a uh, government um, television station. So it wasn't public access, but it wasn't you know. TV either, you know, it was, but we were shooting documentaries and training videos. Government, and that was publicly funded, or it was for a government organization? Um, it was, it was a, a local municipality. Okay. So we were all paid out of the cable, you know, Got the it. fees that the cable company paid to run everything. And we would, you know, we would, that's where I was, like, TDing and producing the council meetings and the planning commission meetings, and, you know, just really boring stuff. But we also did some documentaries, you know, historical research documentaries, and those were a lot of fun where you're interviewing, um, you know, at the time we're interviewing World War I survivors, you know, people that 
especially this one guy. Don't exist anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. And wow. and so you know, this one guy, he was a very early pioneer in sort of the local aviation, right? You know, he started as like a wing walker. Oh. And then you know, and then you know, he would do crop dusting and everything. You know, it's in Wisconsin. But so you know, interviewing people like that, getting their stories, listening to it. And when he passed away, we actually were able to give all that footage to the family to see him tell his life story. That's beautiful. So it was, I mean, so we did some cool stuff, but we also did the plan commission meetings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is camera one, camera two. But you, were, you were an employee yeah. in that, that, that yeah. role, right? So I was, so, so I was uh, part-time until I graduated. Then they created a full-time position for me, and I worked there for th- two to three years. And then I moved to, I, I mean, I couldn't stand it. And then I moved to California. And when I moved to California, I guess technically I was freelancing, but I was unemployed. Right? <laughs> okay. I. There is a difference, folks. There oh, is a yeah. difference between those two terms. But so I mean, <laughs> I, went to, I was unemployed and free, and freelancing. So I, you know, I shot a movie. I did production sound for two movies. I edited a movie. You know, I was... A uh, makeup you know, artist anywhere in there? <laughs> <laughs> I did not do any makeup. Um, but, you know, I mean, I started as a, as a freelance sound, sound person. Mm. And it was after two projects, I realized that um, nobody ever cares about the sound unless it's bad. <laughs> and, you know, and uh, you know what? I mean, honestly, I've got an ego, and mm-hmm. I want to be recognized as someone who does good work. Yeah, sound guys are the most unthanked people on a film production oh, yeah. set. It's like if you're going to pay somebody, pay your sound guy because they're not getting any sort of other, like, yeah, credit, well, right? Yeah. And I think ego, that's a huge talking point there. Ego is a, is a important part of this. It's a huge factor. Most of the right. people that enter this ju- industry do so out of ego. I know I, it applies to me. <laughs> Nobody enters the plumbing industry out of an ego-based anything. Right. The but, only reason we're on this podcast is to hear ourselves talk. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> but, I mean, but there's good ego and bad ego, yeah. right? So good ego is where it's like, I want to do great stuff, but I also want other people to, you know, I want to contribute to other people's yeah. success as well. And I want to be famous because of what I've done. Right. Not just to be famous. Yeah. I want to be famous because it usually comes with money. Fair <laughs> so you're a sound guy holding that so, boom yeah. pole, dreaming of something bigger. Right. And and it, it was, I was like, okay, this isn't for me. So, you know, I had Obviously, I've done camera work. I've shot a whole bunch of stuff. I shot all that documentary interviews and whatnot, which, you know, in hindsight, terrible. I'm, I'm sure. Um, but it's bound to be right. Your first yeah, efforts oh, are of course going to be terrible. You know. Well, I mean, at that job, nobody was more experienced than anyone else, so we couldn't grow. Yeah. Which was oh, okay. Which was the biggest reason why, as soon as I had the opportunity to get out of there, I did. Um, and then, and then I started. You know, then I shot a movie. I mean, I learned a lot shooting a feature, and and then I shot part of another one, you know, as as things would come up. And then I started shooting. Actually, I did this. Um, I did a television show, which was six episodes, twenty or twenty two minutes each. I did everything on it, like everything. So I wrote the scripts. I interviewed. The, well, I didn't interview. I shot the interviews. We had a host. Um, I had a producer who was more of just a people talker, you okay. know. So I and had you to coordinated the location. Yeah, so I did the locations, I you know, you know, did all of that for like no money. I mean I got paid to do it, <laughs> I remember, but 
I think I got paid like a thousand dollars to do six television episodes. Yeah, Jeez. those sort of gigs are always editing. based on like once it's out there, you'll, the money will come, yeah, right? Like, yeah, and it never where. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, looking at that experience, you know, I did learn a whole lot. Um, yeah, I'm sure, doing it all yourself. Yeah, and so, and then I started doing more camera work, and then I got a answer to Craigslist ad for a local corporation, and they wanted a camera. What year was that? 2005. Okay. Um, the year I started my, my freelancing. <laughs> nice. Um, so that was I, early days of Craigslist, too, right? Yep, so that, yeah. was, that was a very new thing to answer a job right. on Craigslist. Oh, right? that was the days you could answer jobs on Craigslist. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, so anyway, so I, so I went in, I interviewed with, you know, with these, this company, and, you know, I started shooting. And, you know, it would be a webcast, right? So it's it's just following people or sometimes just locking the camera off and standing there if anything goes wrong. Um, you know, there, it, was, it was way focused on, it was so little money, like so little money. <laughs> but it was, you know, and half days. And, uh, half but days. honestly, you know, I mean, at the time, A, I was unemployed, so anything was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a half day, it would start at 6. So it would be done by, done by 10. And I'm like, I just made, you know, I just made a couple hundred bucks and it's 10 a.m. I can go do other stuff. So as... Like work on your reel. (laughs) Go back to bed. (laughs) Um, So so it just, you know, it kept going and, you know, and I started shooting. So it went from shooting webcasts then to shooting and lighting interviews. And then was letting them know I can edit as well. Right. And that's... So I got a few editing gigs. But, you know, in that early days, I wasn't, I was like, I could operate the software. I mean, for for corporate stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to tell a corporate story. You know, give me a script and a feature film and I'll cut you something, you know, compelling and interesting. Um, right, probably where you started with the DP, right? Just give me a tripod, I'll set up a frame. You know, it's like with, with, you, you can understand the basics, but the art of it still isn't there, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, those early days of, Editing was like, oh, it's a, it's an hour long presentation. You just got to cut out all the bad stuff and top and tail it. And yeah. So that that's where I started, and then I moved to, and then it was, you know, I can live switch all this stuff too, right? Because then you don't have to edit it if you can live switch well, it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you start learning pacing at that point. Right. Well, I mean, so all of those planning commission and council meetings that I was Good switching. Timing. You know, I knew how to operate a switcher and be calm under pressure, and and that was probably the biggest thing is just be calm under pressure because you know I, I saw you know other people come in while I was a cam op trying to trying to direct and just they would just flip out and just they're not able to handle a live show environment so so then I got into okay so they'll call me up for, for camera they'll call me up for edit they'll call me up to TD something you know and I wasn't first call but I was second or third or and there was so much going on that uh, we get called in. And that got to be where I was doing enough work. You know, suddenly I'm like, okay, I'm kind of employed, employed now. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then they offered me the full time job. Okay. And I mean, I had, you know, I bombed the interview, which, you know, is, 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 it's, it's interesting. So, so they offered you a job, but you still had an interview? Well, they, well, no, there was a job opening. Okay. And I in, and I applied for it and I interviewed. Okay. And I bombed the interview. Um, 
and the 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 guy the hiring manager he's like yeah i don't know he just you know he asked me where i want to be in five years and i said i want to be in la directing movies oh no yeah. You know, yeah. Damn. Which is not. Well, then not I don't what you want say. you to work yeah. here. Same <laughs> mistake I made, honestly. Yeah. Like I was interviewed at an agency. They're like, "Where do you want to be in five years?" I was like, "I kind of see myself in California. California's yeah. calling." And I was in St. Louis. They're like, "Bye." Because you know, you know yeah. the, the way that's interpreted and is translated, and this is exactly how it's translated. Is so, where do you want to be in five years? Not here. Right. Then why would I want you here now? Right. <laughs> why do I have to go through this again in five years, or less? Yeah. So, so, um, however, I was still a freelancer. So I would go in and be like, hey, you know, I, you know, I, know, I totally know that I messed that up and I'm still really interested and I would, you know, love to be a part of this team and all this stuff. And, and you know, I got support from other members of the, of the team and, and they did, they hired me. And I was a TD and cam op and then, and then, then a DP and then... Yeah, so that transition seems a little odd, but I mean, we don't have to get into it too much. But because you're not ro- working with DPs as a TD, right? There's there was kind of like a oh, yeah. break, I mean, like the so types of content that oh, you're yeah. working on. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the live stuff and then the the interviews are just you know totally different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and mean, especially you know the live stuff usually had like six people, so you're not lighting, you know, one person sitting in a chair. You're like, we need light, and we need mm-hmm. to see stuff, and it needs to not have terrible shadows. Yeah. So, so, so different. Um, and I just kept going and kept going. And then, you know, the, the hiring manager there and then the person who was fighting for me, they left and started a company. And, and then it got really bad there. And then all the stuff left. And now I am a freelancer for them. The same so people the, that you the, were sort of working for and that company that sort of defended right. you or fought for you, right? Right. Yeah, so they kind of understood. And, and yeah, to be 100%, the, uh, the same people that Thomas knows are those same people that, that helped me out. So th- these are uh, some, some good folks in the <laughs> Bay Area that are so freelancers. So let me get a, 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 a shortened recap of that because I know what you're talking about, but I think from the – because I, I kind of zoned out for a sec to see, like, how this would sound. I have no idea what you guys were talking about if I didn't know it already the, the – names of the people and the things that you're talking about. It was a very jumbled, like, so I was working for these people, and then I wasn't, and then I wasn't, and then I gotcha. wasn't. And it's like, wait, what happened? <laughs> yeah, Thomas so was employed recap. until he was laid off. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so my managers at this company left to start their own company. Well, so hold on. So you came out to California. Yep. Got a job at a tech company. Yep. As a full-time. Yep. Well, took a job off Craigslist first. Took you know, a job off sorry, took a job of Craigslist as soon as I was about to take Turned off. into a full-time job at this place. Some of your friends left, started their own company. Then you became a freelancer again. Yes. For the same for the company you were already working for full-time. No, no for the friends. No, for the friends. For you, yeah. Okay, so you became a freelancer for the friends who left to start their own company. And that is is that where we are now? That's where we're at. That's okay. where we're at now. <laughs> so, is that where your primary? Where it comes from is this is this one group of friends that or is it as a freelancer? So I mean, no. Okay. Uh, right now it is. It's not as I don't have as many number ones and number twos as I want. Okay. Um, you know, I just got into another corporation as a freelancer. They want to hire me full time. Right. And I'm, I just want to be a freelancer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, just today I got word again that they want to talk to me about a full-time job and I go what if what if I was just freelancing and did this stuff right. I mean obviously it would cost them more so 
So ex- explain but, that, because that's something I don't think a lot of people understand, why you might go from a full-time salaried benefit position to a freelance position. Uh, mostly because my wife has the full-time benefit <laughs> salary. Okay. Um, and, and the previous eight years, well, yeah, previous eight years, I, I had the full-time position in our relationship. So you, and she so, was a freelancer. So you've had kind of a support structure. And right. you, you and your wife have created this as a, as a complementary support structure for each other. Correct. Um, I, honestly, I would – there is a – I still would love to have both of us full-time, high-paying jobs. That you know, at least for a couple of years, that would be really nice. But it just it it sort of just has happened that luckily, when she lost her job, I got a job, and then when I lost my job, she got a job. And it's just. But I'm seeing I'm sensing that I'm seeing this common theme kind of where it's like you work for a company as a freelancer until you basically exhausted their budget for you, right? Or it's like you've used up so many days, and they say we still want to keep using you can you come full-time and we'll basically pay what right. we paid for these two weeks for a full month and you'll kind of, the work will kind of balance yeah. out a little bit. And so that, that's what happened first, right? With the first company that hired you well, and, and it now sounds, it's sort of happening right. again. And yeah. it sounds like from there, what happens is that full-time budget uh, is fine, but then the full-time work gets exhausted. So first they exhaust their budget on you freelance, pull you in for full-time because your project or work, whatever is still there. Then they exhaust the work itself, and then they're like, well, we don't need you at all now. Go away, and you can freelance again. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And so in my experience, the work doesn't go away. It is somebody in accounting or HR says, there's too many, he- there's too many people yeah. that work here. Yeah. We need to cut, cut 5,000 people across the company, figure out who it is. Gotcha. And then they typically they're going to go through and go like, A, so who's, who costs us the most? Who won't sue us for firing them? Who, you know, and just, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> it, has, so it basically has very yeah. little to do with the fact that you are doing right. film work. It's just they have other reasons and they have to get rid of people. Right. And it happens regularly because it's a big company. Fair enough. You know, and, and those, I mean, the companies go, I mean, when I started, when I started, at that company, there were 80,000 employees. Um, it ballooned up to 130 and then went back down to 90 when we were all kind of let go. So, I mean, there was, you know, 40,000 people, you know, globally. But that's a lot of people to bring up and go. And, and it's funny because that company has also it's, it has displaced me uh, because they purchased one of my clients and told them they can't use me anymore because they want to use their internal guys. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, about a year in, they swung back around and said, hey, can we hire you as a freelancer? Because <laughs> okay. we can't use our own internal guys because they're too busy. So it's been a very strange mm-hmm. thing. But that's, that's what happened. There's this constant churn, a constant uh, – and, and, that's, and that's Bay Area. That isn't just our industry. I think that's something that a lot of people here need to understand is I'm sure there's a lot of churn in other places as well. But in this very, very tech-heavy world, you don't go to work for a company for the next 40 years. That's just not something you expect in, in the Silicon right. Valley or the Bay Area. It's, it is about 18 months in the Bay Area. So even if you're at the same company, you're going to switch roles every 18 months. You know, and for some, and that's kind of what I did, right? So I was a TD, and then I switched roles to be, I'm just their DP. Um, and then I switched roles to be a producer, which, you know, hindsight was a mistake, but, <laughs> you know, it... But, you know, so those different learning experiences. So, I mean... Well, tell me a little bit. This is something I wanted to touch base on a little bit earlier was, why is it that you get paid more as a freelancer than as a salaried employee? I don't... Or a full-time employee, I should say. I think that there's... At a certain point, there's just that... 
that transition where they've spent all this money, you know, because you're going to get more per day as a freelancer than you are per day as a salaried employee. And you're asking why that is. Yeah. So once you start getting four days a week at being paid more, now it's it's cost effective for them to hire you and pay benefits. But the uh, reason, okay. yeah, and the, but the reason I think, yeah, that you expect that you get a higher daily w- wage as a freelancer is because you're not working every day. Right. And the idea is that as a freelancer, I only work 10 to 14 days a month to earn the same amount that I would in a full-time job. Right. Kind of trying to get at you. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to get out of Thomas. Yeah. I, I, I jumped in and stole the question there. So, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, but that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, part of this whole too is my, my wife, she worked at... Uh, ironically, the same company um, every day as a freelancer for a year, <laughs> which I don't think is technically legal, but <laughs> you know, they, um, but again, she would have taken half to be a full time employee than what she made that year. And, but you know, it is what it is. We didn't, you know, I had insurance, so she didn't have to take a job like that. And why, why do you think she would have taken half to become full-time? Security, the insurance? It's, you know, security, the, um, because as a freelancer, you, when you have a day off, it's great that you have a day off, but you're also like, oh, God, I'm not working today. Yeah. I've got to, you know, especially if you're like, I haven't worked the last three days. How am I going to, you know, afford all of this stuff that I need to do? You know, pay mortgage, pay rent. I, I have taken so many holidays as, oh, sweet, I can get some work done. You know, people are like, oh, you do some fun this three-day weekend? It's a three-day weekend? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah. it's like the, the benefit of being a freelancer is you kind of set your own schedule, but that means you don't get to take advantage of these big holidays. Yeah, there's know? no such thing as a vacation or holiday. It's when you get time, you know, if, if you if you can force yourself to do it, let's go hiking this weekend or something. You know, that's that's what I get to do. Or uh, I think, you know, the from 2010 to 2015, actually to 2007 to 2015, my life was largely, hey, you coming to this thing this weekend? I don't know. Maybe we'll see if I have a gig this weekend if something pops up in the next two days because I could really use the money. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, are you going to do that thing with us in two months? We'll see. Maybe. <laughs> if I'm not working that weekend or don't have something to do or have money. Uh, and that was, I think it was a huge part. It's, it's that not knowing. And that's, for me, that's one of the things that stresses me out about freelancing. Um, probably the only thing and, and, and the only reason occasionally I sit down and go, God, I wish I had a real job. Is just that stress of never really knowing and planning and being a difficult thing to do, which is partly where the impetus, I think, to grow yourself as a freelancer and to start a company and to maybe get to the point that even as a freelance freelance company, you can now, as a boss, start to slowly step away a little bit. And that's something I've found that in the last couple of years I've just barely been able to start doing now is I can go on that thing this weekend because I, right. I got somebody hired doing that thing and, like and he knows what he's doing and I can just leave him do it. Right. Well, Thomas, I kind of want to get into why... Uh, or not, not what you think the differences are between freelancing and full-time work and, and the advantages. I mean, Chris is, is saying the, a huge one for me when I was working full-time was the weekends to know, like, my job is five days a week, you know? And if you don't work weekends as a freelancer, you're missing out on a massive opportunity, okay. right? Where yeah. those are, there's a lot of jobs that are happening on weekends, you know, where people are trying to get films made or get other side projects done, where you can step in there and, and work all weekend if you want. So it's it's tough to ever really take that full day off if you're right. freelancer. And I, I really try and and push people to that that Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, um, especially for meetings. 
Um, I mean, I know, you know, a lot of the people that would hire me to shoot their film have day jobs. So they're going to want to have, oh, let's meet on Saturday and do all this stuff. I'm like, I want a, I want a weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we can shoot on a Saturday. That's fun. That's a production day. But I don't want to have to take a meeting. Right. From my That's perspective, that I, yeah, yeah, I've, right. I've started pushing people, especially since we live in Silicon Valley, and this is one of the, the it's like the, almost a New York mentality of just like, what are you not doing? Not, what are you doing not working? You know, I, I don't care if you're on vacation. Take your laptop with you. Uh, so I push people more to the like, no, uh, if, you, if you're the weekend warrior, if you're the full-time and I want to do some stuff on the weekend, you can meet with me at 6 or 7 p.m. on a weekday. Mm-hmm. You can sacrifice your dinner and your evening time to come meet with me, and I'll still be at work, and I'll still I'll take that meeting, but I'm not going to meet with you on a Saturday unless you're, like, buying me lunch and beer and <laughs> we're right. doing something fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, you know, the stuff that I want to be doing more of is the film, right? Is making Which is pictures. mostly on the weekends. Which is on the weekends, <laughs> because the people that can afford to pay me have day jobs. But there is another side of that is as you push further into those more uh, sizable projects, because that's, that's true, but that, that starts to level off after a certain level of project budget, and you start saying, no, either you, you do still get the occasional, I have a day job, but I'm putting 100 grand into this, this film. Sure, you, you get that, and that's a weird thing. But I think for the most part, when you start to get to the, the six-figure budgets, you start to get to people who are like, well, no, we're, we're working during the weekday on this. And actors, uh, you're... You have the occasional actor who you might hire for a project like that who's like, no, I got a day job. But most of them are either looking for the job that they can get off the day job for mm-hmm. or have are totally willing to sacrifice. Like, no, I work a job so that I can shuffle it around so when I need to be on set for a week in a row, I can just do that, um, you know, with a little notice or something right. like that. So I think there's there's a threshold that you're looking for that takes a while to get to and that I feel like, from my experience with you, you're getting to that point. It's, it's maybe still in transition. But it feels like some of the stuff that you've worked on recently uh, in the past couple of years is, is really starting to buck that, that yeah. threshold. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is getting to that more, that professional, you know, I mean, the corporate stuff, professional, nine to five, that's, it pays better, too. Yeah. Um, if they do make you work on a weekend, they pay a lot more. Right. At least for me, I've, I've managed to get double time out of that. <laughs> nice. But I, I've actually been pretty good about having my weekends, unless it's a shoot. And it's okay. a shoot that I want to be a part of. So that's not necessarily the same difference for you. What are some of the main differences in your personal life, your your experience of freelancing versus having a full-time? Uh, I mean, part of that is, you know, it's it might be a 12-hour day. Well, you know what? I mean, I was in production, so full-time was 10 to 12 hours a day. Um, so it's kind of the same. But, you know, I'll be at the computer until, you know, 10 at night editing something. And then, no, go right to bed, get up in the morning, do it again. So that's, you know, so it can be longer days, but then you've got, you know, three days off. So it sounds like maybe marketing yourself is a huge thing because you don't really have to do market yourself too much. I mean, you said always be ready, so maybe you are yeah. marketing yourself even when you have a full-time I job, mean, so, so, you know, so when, when, I, when I went full-time freelance, I, like, was hitting everything, right? You know, I was looking at the, the Staff Me Up website of, you know, filmandtvjobs.com, yep. Yep. Craigslist. Um, Mandy. Mandy is filming TV jobs now. Okay. Um, yeah, they just changed. Yeah. yeah. So, it's I, got, I got an email like two days ago. <laughs> not on the cutting edge. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, you need to get on the newsletters that you're not going to read, but you read <laughs> the subject line. Oh, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, and it, and it comes in waves, right? When you're super busy, you can't be doing that. Um, 
So it's only when you're slow that you suddenly go everywhere and try and drum up business, and then you get busy again. And it it is hard to manage. I'm super busy. I just worked 12 hours, and I want to go to sleep. And I should see if there's any job openings I can apply to. What 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 is some of the job openings that you find that you're like this this sounds great this is what I want you know what's what's an ideal sort of listing for Thomas Cook? I mean, a lot of ideally, what I like to do is show up with camera, lights, uh, maybe a, a grip, audio guy. So I'm looking for those. I need a production team. I'm flying in to do interviews. Yeah, so I, I need you to handle in. camera and G&E right. and right. Bring, bring everything that we need to basically run the right. show. Because, you know, I have all of that gear, and the more I can tack on to one event, the more I make for that one day and helps pay everything else off. So it sounds like you need a network of gaffers and, and sort of grips and, and people like that. Do you, do you have people that you regularly call on? I do. I do. So that brings us to, we're, we're considering calling this uh, Never Work Alone and I think that uh, perfect point to bring up. So as a freelancer, talk, talk about that transition from one-man band to where you are now. Well, I think, I mean, honestly, it's, it's finding the right people as well, right? So uh, I don't work with Evan as much as I should, <laughs> um, partly because the edit is often where you'll make the most money. That's where your creativity comes into or, play as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, because you can go out on a shoot, shoot one day, that's one day rate. But if your edit's going to take you five days, that's five day rates. Right. Um, you know, give or take, you know, what kind of deal or you're... Or for those of us that do hourly for editing. Right. <laughs> it's a lot of time. Right. Um, so it's, you know, and a lot of times too, I would, you know, I would typically say, it, you know, here's my fee for edit and I will estimate how long it will take. And then some of them go under, some of them go over. Um, changes are additional. So, but, yeah, yeah, you usually do like a project-based edit. Right. So, you know, and, and for the most part, it's I've been pretty good about hitting it or being slightly under, right? So if it's a, if I've built out for five days, it might take me four. So you're, you're, I mean, that's an experience level thing. I was imagining in the beginning that was a little bit off as it was, I think, for a lot of us. Um, and I would say if, for me, very similar. I'm assuming similar for Evan. At this point, you estimate for a client and yeah, you're maybe a little over, a little, little under. And there's, you know, I've had to explain a lot of these sorts of things uh, recently to interns and a lot of times to clients themselves. Oh, why do you charge this way? Why do you do this and that? Uh, you yourself uh, have looked at some, I mean, sometimes you've seen like an invoice I put out and you're like, that's a lot of detail in there. And, you know, sometimes I, I've had a lot of clients require stuff like that. So there's, there's, there's ins and outs of it. You know, when you are scheduling those days, um, I know that, you know, again, from, from experience, I can kind of say, okay, it's, there's, you know, two hours of interviews. I can figure out how long it'll take me to find the good bits and lay them together and send a rev out. Um, so I will charge, you know, so, I mean, as I get more experience, that time shortens, but I don't charge less. Yeah, that's so actually I, what I was So I to. charge <laughs> the same amount, even though it takes me less time because I have right. more experience. So, and I think, yeah. Yeah, you my, know, my grandpa has a great story about this where it was like, you know, he gets up on the roof to fix an antenna that's broken on somebody's satellite dish or whatever, and he's up there for 10 minutes, and they come down, and he's like, they're like, you fix it already? He's like, yeah, I just had to move the thing. Well, I'm not going to pay you, you know, $200 yeah. just because you moved the thing. It's like, well, 
I was one who had the experience to ha- know that in 10 minutes, you know, this is what I need to do. Yeah, yeah the, the $200, for 10 $200 isn't for the 10, 10 minutes, minutes of work. It's for knowing it's where for the to 10 move years things. Of experience. It's yeah. for the 10 years of experience. Well, and that's that something, I, we'll, we'll probably get into this one a little bit in another podcast here, but that's it just briefly, that's a huge part of this industry is understanding your value uh, the level of your value and how to apply it and then how to discuss that with clients sometimes. And this, that's, I think, what I was trying to get is I've even had to explain to clients a few times some of the details of, oh, gee, why is this so much? And it's it's not, you know, it doesn't take very long. And you're like, right, it's, that's why it costs so much because it doesn't take me very long. Right. I, I want to jump back to when I was asking about, you know, you have to know grips and these people, right? It's because on a set, on a production day, you can't have any time to waste, right? And if you right. were having to go around and set up all this stuff like you maybe yeah. used to do where you were trying to run it all, you realize it takes twice or three times as long as it re- really needs yeah. to. But in the edit, you know, you can kind of buffer a little bit more time. But it's the sort of thing where somebody like myself who, like, is focused in editing can do a job in three hours that would take somebody a whole day to do, you right. know? So yeah. it's the same kind of, like, I, I end up charging a higher hourly wage than probably most people because I tell my clients, I don't need a full day. You know, I'll do a job in four hours and you pay me, you know, maybe what a, another guy would cost for a full day. But mm-hmm. because it's like you can get it as soon as you yeah, <laughs> can I get mean, it to me. I mean, think of your first one man band jobs. They, they took you all day to set up and shoot an hour long interview. And then you went home and it took you like six hours to edit this stupid mm-hmm. thing. And now that would take you like an hour and a half. But there's no way you were charging like twelve hours worth of hundred dollar an hour or whatever, right. you know. Yeah, there's no way. No, that guy was, that guy that. paid you two hundred bucks <laughs> when right. it took you two days. <laughs> and now he pays you a thousand dollars and it takes you an hour and a half. No, <laughs> or whatever. Something like that. You know, on I, much better I, equipment. <laughs> you know. Ten years ago I did a six episode television series and got paid like a thousand dollars. Now I will go out and I will shoot for a day and get paid a thousand dollars. I mean, it's Yeah. I mean, it's the experience, right? It's yeah. a collective experience that that so you've got. Yeah, so working with other people uh, and building that, that, that structure, um, let's discuss a little bit about that. I, I just This is actually part of your structure here in this room, uh, right. part of your, your network. Uh, what, what do you do to, to create that? How have you, how have you uh, developed these relationships? How do you go about doing that? Typically, a relationship starts on set, um, you know, where you're working with somebody on some project and it goes really well or, you know, you see where you fit each other. And then it's a matter of, you know, just keeping in contact. Um, so I met I met this guy, Chris. It's not you. <laughs> um, and uh, it was on your job, actually. Ah. So it was on the... Mr. Peoples? Yeah. Oh, you so, can say his last name. Okay. You don't have to name... It's, it's the companies we don't want you to name. Right. <laughs> anyway, so we were doing this thing for a ski rental shop. Um so we, we heard about the ski rental. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so I met this guy, right, and like, you know we hit it off. So we just you know that right there. That's yeah. is, it, it. Feels like to me that's the biggest, most important part is how you work with somebody. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, he may have had some things that he didn't know or not as as, as experienced uh, as you with certain technology or something like that. But you hit it off. You can mm-hmm. communicate well, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so after that, you know, as soon as I, I got hired to do this, I think it was like a dance. It was, it was a TV show, you know, so it was like one day of following this dance instructor around and then another day of like American Idol style judging of these dance things. And I called him up, said, hey, you know, I got this job. Let's, let's work on it. And then the next job came through where I needed a second cam up and then the next job and 
and then we started doing a podcast. <laughs> but we hit it off so well that, you know, we were communicating without, like, communicating, right? So we'd show up on set, and he'd do one thing, I'd do one thing, and then, you know, we're done in 15 minutes instead of 45 or an hour um, just because we worked well together and we just get stuff done. It's a, it's a thing that happens when you get people of experience in the same room where they have enough experience to sort of do their own job and they sort of know the roles that people play that it leaves open the channel for like a social mm-hmm. relationship to build because you have somebody that's kind of new they're very focused on not screwing up they want to get the job done and meeting the people around them isn't really a high priority right it's like just get me through to the end of this thing and then i'll walk and i'll get paid you know but once you have enough experience you start to show up to set and look around and think how are the who oh i don't know that guy let me go figure out what he's done and what he's working on right and it's i mean it's hard to break in right so it's it's hard when you when you get out of film school or whatever and you don't know as much as you think you know um, that's that's the way I was right I look back and say I didn't know anything back then obviously I did but compared to now yeah. it's nothing so you know so especially you know when you're on a movie set and you get people that are there that are not experienced it's it's detrimental to the whole thing um, especially with ego yeah, bringing it back, yeah. But, I mean, and so so I'm just trying to, you know, I know that there's... It's link kind of thing, you know, <laughs> on the set, yeah, you know? Right. Even the PA, right. yeah. they spill coffee all over the set floor, you know, or whatever. Oh, yeah. Get lost trying to pick up the talent from the airport or whatever, you know, that is a chain breaking oh, right there. Oh, had some terrible... Yeah. Yeah. I heard, <laughs> I, heard some, I heard some stories recently. I was in L.A. with a buddy and drinking. He would tell me about uh, this PA... And just the decisions that they would make. Yeah. Some people just don't have good decision-making skills. <laughs> and just, right. oof. When you see them... But not us. We're perfect. No, no, no. <laughs> I see, no but there's, when you, you, you get on set with some people, and, I mean, there's an actor, I won't name him, but there's an actor that I've worked with a number of times over the years. I even He, he called me up uh, a long time ago to, to sit down, and he just wanted my advice. He said, can you, could you just talk to me about the industry and maybe help me out with some stuff? And I sat down, we, we had our conversation, and... What I learned through that and a couple of other interactions with him is you need to stop trying to look around for what it is in this industry you want to do. You are not good at any of the technical behind the any. No. What you are surprisingly good at is the in front of the camera aspect, and you need to pursue that. And I know in his case, his parents were very discouraging of that. And I said, I, and he was actually looking, I think, somewhat for someone to give him the push to say, yeah, go pursue this. And knowing that I wanted that as a kid, I did it for him. And, I th- and he's now gone to L.A., and he's actually starting to make his, his way forward. Um, and I think that's, that's one, of the, one of the biggest things is being able to recognize the talents of the people around you and in of yourself as well. And kind of as you start to get that experience, you start to chop off the little things. At least if you're going to be successful, you start to lop off the little things that you don't do well and you, like, you let other people do them. I don't touch the camera as much as possible anymore. I let you touch the camera or the second it's or third string guy I have the budget for. <laughs> um, I'm starting to let you, you take... Wouldn't let, I wouldn't let me touch the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to, however, I'm starting to let you take over the editing for me I'm reluctantly because that again is that's where I always feel like my creative vision shines more but I've also started to realize I can get that to work through you I can give you a little as a director or producer I can give you direction on the edit and then I can take an edit from you and say no I'm going to polish this and put my signature on it and 
that's a difficult transition to make for a lot of people. I think is letting go and letting oh your team mm-hmm. handle stuff for you, and knowing that a calm down, don't worry, you still get to take credit for it. Um, you know, in appropriate manners, and b in this industry. That's like the biggest thing is knowing that this is not a solo industry. You cannot do this alone and you can't succeed at amazing things. And you can't be amazing alone. One of the insights that I think I heard in your story when you were talking to this actor is when you're asking people for advice, you know, if you can have them kind of tell you how they see you, it can be extremely valuable, right? He, he's confused on who he is, what he wants yeah. to do, right? Yeah. And you're looking at him and saying, you're an actor man and mm-hmm. like figure that out you know yeah. and if you go to people in your network and they don't know who what you do you'll be probably surprised a lot of people that you think know what you do for a living have no idea just a simple like asking the question hey how, how do I seem you know or w- w- can you use, I don't know how the, what the right question is but it's like if, if you can be direct and say like do you know what I do for a living <laughs> I don't yeah. know but it's if you can help somebody identify themselves it's a very because looking in the mirror ain't going to do that hearing yeah. yourself in a yeah. podcast ain't going to do that and, and part of that, part of this whole thing about working together is also goes to specializing, mm-hmm. right? So taking, you know, one person who's a DP, one person who's a producer, one person who's an editor, that team is going to be so much um, more better and more effective than if everybody's, a, you know, a jack of all trades. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's, it's a, I mean, obviously it's a double-edged sword until you find out what you're good at and what people see you as you know so we have there's there's this one freelancer that at big you know corporate global <laughs> company um, where he was our sound guy like dedicated he's our audio guy for field production other companies he's a cam op or you know he's a he's a dp and you just and it just it's is we, Mark? Is this? Yeah, it's Mark. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, he's awesome at sound. Like, sure. whenever I, you know, have a thing for sound, I'm like, is Mark available? So. Well, for some people that works, but for most of us, you're going to find to be successful, to be more efficient and more effective, you need to specialize. You need to figure out what your specialty is. And because that's what this business is. This, is, this business isn't the business of being famous or the business of being popular. It's the entertainment business, it's the media business, media production business. So what is it about media that you like to do? If you like to watch it, maybe you shouldn't be in this. If you like to make it, produce it, analyze it, um, uh, craft, I mean, there's all sorts of different words I could throw out there, but just figure out what it is you want to do. If you're, if you're, if you, I've had people go into this trying to be camera up and turn into makeup artists and find out they absolutely love it. One of the guys that I knew uh, that got into makeup ended up on, um, that, that makeup show, the, uh, what is it, the face-off. Um, you know, no idea that he was going to go into that. I think he wanted to be a, a ca- either a camera op or a sound guy initially. Right. I mean, it's definitely, don't be afraid to try different things, and don't be afraid to shift your focus. Right? Spend that first couple of years one-man banding it, and be a jack-of-all-trades on every set you can get on, get every job you can get, and play every role, because what you'll find is you'll start to find the ones that you really like, the ones that really speak to you. You'll start to hear other people say things like, ooh, you're really good at that, or I'd like to call you back to do this. Uh, and then you'll, you'll also get a chance to feel what everyone else is doing on your set when you're in charge or when you're the other role. 
So if I've worked as a camera op, I've worked as an editor, I've worked not as a makeup artist, I probably never do that one, but um, I've worked as a, as a boom op and all these little things. And so I understand as a producer, especially as a producer, now that I'm putting you on a set and I ask you for something and I uh, give me an ETA or uh, how much time you need for this, whatever, and I either am going to get a response that I know is either bullshit or realistic. Uh, or I need to push you a little more, or whatever the case is, or it's, it's there. I understand your job much better. I can work with you better, and I can make your job uh, better for you. Just one story I remember trying to be a jack of all trades, you know, in, in film school and just getting out, you're sort of trying to take as much work as you can. And I, I had thought I was going to be a grip gaffer. You know, I really loved lights, I loved setup and that kind of stuff. You know, I sort of liked the people that were grips. You know, I sort of identified with that philosophy and I just kind of liked those people. And so I was kind of naturally drawn to that department. But I am such a clumsy person <laughs> that it became so painfully aware that the grip should not be a guy who drops things. You yeah. know, this, yeah. was, this yeah. was one of those like eye-opening experiences where you work a few jobs. You're like, okay, I tried that. I thought I, I really like it, but it's just not the sort of thing that I'm, I'm really cut out for. Yeah. I want to try to change my whole self to be. For, yeah, so. I, mean, I think you know, kind of touching on that. You know, the when I said I stopped being a sound guy. And to focus on shooting, I fucked up a job. Sorry. I was on a, it was a TV show and I was doing sound. And, you know, this is, this is back before multi-channel recorders. So I was mixing four microphones down to a stereo pair into a beta cam. And like, I couldn't get the lobs quiet. They just couldn't get them quiet. So I was boom and everything on a separate, so all the lobs on one channel, boom on another channel. Halfway through, I drop the boom. So the boom's now noisy. Mm -hmm. All the lobs are noisy. It was that experience, then like, I'm done. I'm done. The interview's unusable <laughs> then. Was it an interview you said? Uh, it was following people around. Reality so show, reality show mm. especially. So that's really tough to cut away from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I, I don't, I don't know if I had to reshoot or what, but it was, I didn't get paid. Yeah, I was honestly, we all have at least one of those. I think I know yeah. I can think of one or two on on mine. But I know we, we just kind of want to wrap up. I know Thomas, you had mentioned try new things. I wanted to talk to you about what you were trying to get into now. I'm trying to get into. Um, so as a, you know, as my wife and I, both being a freelancer camera person for so long, we've um, generated a lot of gear. So now we're moving. Generated. Yeah. We've, <laughs> we've purchased. purchased. <laughs> well, and, and let me, can I uh, preface this one just a little bit? So one of the things I'd mentioned earlier, we briefly touched on is, is that growth factor. Um, so as a freelancer, there's a couple specific things you can do. You can either remain a freelancer, specialize in your position. Yeah and work that freelance job to the bone till you retire. Um, and th that works for some people. You you be a DP and all you is, you DP on stuff. Sometimes you join a union um, or you just, you're a camera op in a union, that sort of thing. And you do that for like 40 years and you build up, especially if you're in a union, get pension benefits, things like that. Even if you're not, you're freelancer, you have really good connections and you keep doing that for like 40 years. You build up a decent retirement fund and you go forth. And you've basically, in some capacity, in my, in my opinion, you've struggled really hard, a lot harder than somebody who worked at a a full-time job somewhere for the same amount of time for roughly the same result. Um, so there's that, and that's it's, I could call it a, a version of plateauing. And the other option is to grow. And the only way to grow as a freelancer is to grow your team 
and to grow your business, yourself as a business, and turn that into something. And that's what Thomas uh, is about to talk about, is, is he has done that, right. uh, is in the process of doing that right now. So opening, opening a camera rental house. So taking the, the two Reds and the Alexa and building a camera rental business um, to, I guess, you know, to start, it's going to supplement the freelancing. And, you know, if everything goes as planned, it would just replace the freelancing. So that would be... Or the freelancer becomes supplemental to it. Right. Uh, <laughs> you, or, you never, never want really, to pick up I, a camera, right? Well, I mean, or I really <laughs> get to be picky about the, the jobs that I do take. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have enough gear at this point that if someone calls you to DP a, a job, you'd have an extra camera available to give to another DP right. on the same day, right? Yeah, so. exactly. And I have way too much stuff that I could physically take anywhere by myself. So when I go out now, I've got to hire a gaffer or, you know, a gaffer or a grip to come with me and bring their car so we can load up all of the gear. So that's, you know, getting those people, you know. And it's, you know, it's different. It's going to change over time, you know. Yeah, I wanted to say, what, what part of the process are you in? I mean, do you have the web domain, the business cards, the name yet? Or what, what, what stage in the development of this are you? Um, we're locking insurance in. Okay. So right now, um, for this year, everything's going to be run under Radium Pictures. Um, beginning of the year, we'll, we'll, we'll add Radium Camera as a domain and, you know, entity, and that'll be the rental business, and Radium Pictures will move. Um, it'll still be my freelancing, but I'm going to move to more of film production Services. with that. Yeah. Okay. So Got that'll it. be my producing entity. Oh, and okay. radium camera will be like, and this is rental. it seems like strictly for tax purposes that you're waiting for the beginning of next year yeah. just to kind of make it a clean split, right? Yeah, is are you gonna do another one for your DP freelancing or is that just gonna be under radium? It'll be pictures? under pictures, yeah, okay. radium pictures. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's a pretty solid uh conclusion to our day, uh, to our cast. Uh, Thomas, we want to thank you very much for being here with us. Uh, look forward to maybe having you on again in the future, probably a few months from now when you uh have. Uh, got up and running, and we yeah. can discuss uh, how that's going. It's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I think we'll, we'll, you know we'll we'll invite you guys over to uh, the Cinetech show as well. Can't wait. Um, you know, we we can start talking in depth about you know some of the time lapse stuff you've done, and you know the editing tools you're using. Definitely. You know where we get hardcore deep into the technical and yeah the tech. You know, like we say, the the technology and the techniques. Right. I, I like that part. I can't of wait it. to yeah. talk about that. <laughs> 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 the hardware and how to use it. Yeah. yeah. All right, Thomas. Thanks for joining us. And it, again, guys. that's the Cine Tech Show is Thomas's podcast. You can check that out on iTunes. Uh, we uh, th- we are Chris and Evan wrapping up the uh, Never Work Alone podcast. Thank you for joining us. The name stuck. He likes the name. It's Never Work Alone. All right. <laughs> See you next time.